Bienvenidos a la Midwest Flyways Podcast. I am your host, Joey Basayo. And to my left, we have Cal J. Ness. Say hello. 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 Welcome. And we got a special guest on with us here today. We've got Graham Grasseth of Maxed Out Guides. Say hi. How you doing, guys? Good, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. We're super pumped. Joey wrote down, like, he's been studying. He's got some really cool questions. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> so get ready. It's get gonna be a good one. Let's do it. Yeah. Joey, you want to play it for us? Yeah, I'll play it for us. We're back. Thanks for being here, man. Uh, is this a crazy time of year for you? So, crazy time, no. Like, we're winding down now. I mean, snow geese, when we're guiding snows, it's always a little bit crazy. Um, but for me, as an owner, my guide season kind of ends. Basically, when we wrap up those late season duck hunts in January in Kansas, that's where I start to kind of dial back a little bit on the guiding. I'll do a mm-hmm. stretch out in Kansas in February, but really... Once we're into February, my eyes start going towards next year and what we're going to do differently and what we're going to do better and what we're going to change and what leases we're renewing and not renewing and just, you know, getting clients out, all the business stuff. So that that's really where I transition to this time of year. Yeah. And you are just straight maxed out guides. Like that's your full-time job, right? That's all I do. That's all you do. Yep. How long has it been all you do? So this is year, uh, let's see. So we started in 17. This was year 16. Um... I've been full-time since, I think this was year eight of full-time just doing this. This is year 17 of owning yep. Maxed Out. Yep. And this is year eight of being full-time. Correct. Okay. Damn. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I God. mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a part of the plan. It just kind of happened. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was the plan? What did you do before Maxed Out or like what was your Well, um, I was always in sales, but I didn't... Uh, I was not uh, what I always call, I was a, I was a recreational student in college. Um, yeah, so <laughs> me too. I mainly went to college to have a great fucking time, Hell which yeah. I did. Um, Beer and girls. Yeah, correct. No correct, <laughs> yeah. And um, so after college, I was kind of going through and I was starting to get serious. And then, believe it or not, I actually left college to go into, um, it was a really fast-paced career with a lot of opportunity of door-to-door steak sales. Um, okay. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, so. The crazy fast-paced world of door-to-door steak sales, <laughs> yeah. dude. So I did that for uh, eight years. How did you even get that that job, man? So It's so random. Hey, man, you want to sell some steaks? Yeah, like, yeah. how does that start? So it was, I was, um, I think I was 21 at the time, and um, there was an ad in the Fargo newspaper. It was like, uh, cash pay daily company vehicle provided 850 bucks a week. And, you know, I was working at a liquor store at the time. I was like, wow, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll do that. Uh, and then I got there and, um, I was the most sober person that worked for the company, um, <laughs> yeah. at all times. <laughs> and, um, so I went out with this guy who was, you know, stoned and drunk most of the day, but he went out and, Sold all these steaks and he made like 500 bucks that day. I was like, well, Damn. if this guy can do it, I can do it. And, yeah. and what year is this for reference? So Because 500 bucks 20 years ago is worth a little bit more than it is right, now. Right, right. So, and you know, at that time I was making eight bucks an hour at the liquor store. So to me, right. that was that was a fortune. Um, and Slick, yeah. So, God, this I was probably 21, 
22 at the time. I just want to say $500 a day right now is still like 190 grand a year. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Is that really what that is? Casually. Yeah. Just damn. Yeah. Okay. So, it, it, but you know, it was an all commission gig. That's so you went out, you got your truck full of steaks and you just went out and you either made it happen or you didn't. So, um, so I did that for a while and then, um, I was dating my ex-wife at the time and that wasn't really, you know, clearly a long-term uh, situation, but I did, I was in sales for a while and I went into sales management. So I was managing not, uh, first a sales office. So I had to, you know, corral, um, basically all these potheads and meth heads and trying to get them to go out and not steal from us, but also Good. sell a bunch every day, but then also show up for work the next day. Um, and so I did that. I was in sales management for a while and then I was district manager. So then I oversaw all the offices and um, then it was just kind of time. This to be for done. The, st- the state company? State company. Holy dude. shit, dude. That was like a career. That yeah, like- we had like, we had six offices in the Midwest and yeah. New York and Michigan and what was Minnesota. The, is it okay to say the name of the state company or what? Yeah, back then it was called Farmer's Pride and then it was Farmer's American Pride. Choice. And then, well, the owner, um, believe it or not, wasn't on the up and up. Uh, generally. So we went through a few different names for a few different reasons. uh, And um, it was pretty wild. I mean, but you know, it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about managing people that, you know, you don't really. Awesome training for waterfall guys. Kind of. No, for real. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff, I mean, it's different for us now. Like I learned who we don't want to hire, obviously, but then you also learn to kind of keep an eye out for the guys that are potentially going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, and um, so I did that. And then, um, like I said, that was just, you know, it was kind of coming to an end and there was all kinds of stuff going on with the owner. And so I hired it. Or I, uh, from there I went to Dex, which like Dex Yellow Pages, Dex Knows, oh Dex God. Online. Yeah, yeah. So Dude, I started I off. I think you're dating yourself a little bit. I know, here, I know. And I, I know, love it. I know, it's awesome. I know, but there's no gray hairs yet. So, I mean, I'm, I might be 44, but I could maybe pull 44, off. 44? 30? I don't, you don't, I don't look 44. Yeah. I don't think you even have gray in your beard. No, not yet. Damn. Yep. Make sure you tell that to Andrea because she tells I me I do all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so then I went to Dex, um, sold Yellow Page ads, sold online advertising, and then that was... Then at that time I was married and, um, you know, it, it just, uh, I started, you know, there's kind of a transition that happened out in La Caparle. Like everybody in La Caparle was, it was past shooting back in the day. Were you guiding at this point already? No, not yet. Okay. Nope. Nope. So, um, you know, I would always go back home on the weekends, back to the farm and we would, you know, sit in the blind and pass shoot geese. And that was great. And then, um, my brother, Sean took me out with Adam once and we sat in a field and we, we decoyed some birds and I was just like, my God, this is the greatest thing. Adam Rometta. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So we did that. And then all of a sudden I started to transition. I was like, well, I got to get into that. Like, that's amazing. And, um, so I started this career at Dex and that was more of like a career career because it was an actual company and, and, uh, but then I started, uh, decoys were expensive. Um, so, uh, decoys were expensive. So I told my wife, you know, I just, at at the time, my ex-wife now, I said, um, you know, I think I'm going to just start guiding some hunts to help pay for these decoys and stuff yep. and, yep. you know, pay for my gas back and forth every day. And so I threw an ad on Craigslist and that's where everything started. Yeah. So we well, started getting people calling. Yep. want to go hunt. Yep. We took out, uh, we started taking out people like one group a weekend the first year and, um, 
you know, it was like, oh, okay, this is something. Like, we got something going here. And then we just started to grow pretty quickly because then I was working at Dex and my background was marketing and, you know, uh, Google Just applied Ad- it to your own business. Yeah, Google AdWords was taken off. So I was taking all the stuff that I learned on, at, at work. And doing it for your own business. And then using it to help grow Max yeah. Out Guides. So yeah. We built a website and built an AdWord program and... And we were still doing Craigslist stuff. And then we just, I mean, it just kind of went. Yeah, it's kind of cool, man. Because I actually, you know, I looked at your website and um, I've built uh, a couple of different websites for people in, you know, the outdoors. I don't know if you know, like uh, Rustin Morgan, Dry Creek. Yep. So I built Dry Creek website. And so like, I always know right away, like when I look, I'm like, wow, I wonder if this guy like takes some of the marketing stuff more seriously or doesn't have to, or, you know, doesn't Mm -hmm. care about it, whatever. You have a really nice website. Thanks. It'd yeah. be cool, man, if there was something about you a little bit on there. Yeah, I know. That's kind of been an evolution. And when we built this last one, so we just redid it last year. So, um, you know, we used to have an About Us page, but really, as the years have gone on. Yeah. I know it, you got a pretty big operation going right Yeah. Now. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, uh, we do well and we, we guide a lot of hunts and it's a lot of fun. And, and, um, I've kind of gotten away. We used to have pages where we had all the guides and everything on there, but then it would get outdated and people left, so I just stopped doing it. You could just do something about you. I know. I know. I probably should. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. I I just went on there and I was like, I'll be able to read something cool that may be like... You can ask him on the podcast, yeah. I'm going to. Yeah. It's going to be great. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. No, but you, uh, you... So you've ran shitheads, right? Yep. And my thing, my big question for you is you've been doing this for 16, 17 years. Correct. And so how do you go about hiring a guide or what have you learned about hiring guides? Because there's so many fly by night yeah. guides at this point, especially now with social media. Yep. It's crazy how many people that I've given a goose call lesson to and then all of a sudden they're running hunts and I'm right. like, that's so interesting. I mean, good for you, mm-hmm. but it's just so wild. Yeah. I was just like from here yep. to here. In like overnight. Yeah. And so like, how do you cut through the bullshit after 17 years? And how do you know if someone's actually worth their shit? What's most important even? Is it the calling? I mean, what? We don't focus on calling so much. Like that's not a big priority for me. Um, We don't actually. So hiring guides does not work. Um, It just does not. You know, people that reach out. So in the 17 years that we've been doing this, there's only been... um, one, two, actually, and and they are both with me currently. Um, one's my basically my guide foreman. He's kind of my number two in the company. That's Mike Peters, who Joey met down in Kansas. Stud. Yep, yep, really good guy. Uh, and then uh, Drake, who is now our, who is kind of our media guy, and now he's becoming more of just a full time guide. Um, but really, you know, we have tried to do some stuff on social media and put some feelers out there, and the the people just don't work. So what's what always a, what about them don't work though? Everything. Really, <laughs> just literally everything. everything. What's the most common? What's the most common issue? Booger eating moron. I Booger. mean, it's just <laughs> beginning to end. It it just doesn't. It's just not a good fit. Uh, they just eat their own boogers. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, the, oh. the last couple of years, you know, we've. So what happens is, is when we've almost operated solely off referrals for for our guides. So people that you know, our guides that we have, they're working currently. And those all basically started because they were referred to me by people I knew like, Hey, 
you know, we had Garrett and Zach Sahanik that have been with me for like a dozen years. And that all started because a friend of mine back home were like, Hey, you're doing this guiding thing. These two guys, that's, that's all they do. Like Garrett sits in his garage and when he was a kid and would like basically sit on stand and shoot mice with a BB gun, um, you know, so psycho psycho. Yeah. 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 And, but, um, great people you know, really good people, really trustworthy, really hardworking, and they absolutely love it. And they were with me for a long time. And now they've kind of, you know, they both gotten married and they have kids on the way. And right. so that lifestyle doesn't really work with guiding. But that's really how all of our best people that we've had in the company have come is just they, they've come through referrals from people that know us, that know how we operate, that know how I mm-hmm. operate, and just know that we're there, you know, there's a good chance they're going to be a good fit. Yeah. Uh, well, and touching on that too, Graham, because you, you reached out to me earlier this year and said, do you know anyone who wants to be a guide? They don't have to be a great caller, yeah. whatever. They just have to show up to work on time. Yeah. I didn't really give you any names. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I don't, because that's also my name on the line too, right. where it's like, are they going to perform yeah. whatever? It's like, can they travel? Do they have their own vehicle? Do they, are they not a meth head? Yeah. You know, like all that stuff. Yeah. Like I just, I didn't have anyone for you. So yeah. I'm sorry. Well, and, and that's, you know, occasionally I will reach out and some, and most of the time people don't have anybody and, but you just never know, you know, we're always just looking for, we don't want the calling, you know, the, the stage caller, we, you know, that is actually not a priority at all for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather, and I don't want anybody that's guided anywhere else because as soon as I hear, oh, I've guided here and here and here, that's like an instant end to the conversation. I don't want anything to do with that. Why really. is why is that though? Well, there's a reason that they're a free agent, number one. You know, there's a reason that they're not with wherever they were. You know, usually the stories are, you know, I mean, it's like selling roofs. Oh, I'm the greatest salesman in the history of the world <laughs> and I've sold more roofs than anybody in the world and la, 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 la. Well, why aren't you selling them right now? You know, mm-hmm. and it's the same with guiding waterfall hunts. Um, People that are good at what they do, you know, they don't get to be free agents. So if if you've got good people, you got to keep them. And if you're not working for the company that, you know, like, why is that? You know, what? Well, and, what if a guy's like a great guy and the place he works at just doesn't really take care of him? Is that not your? Yeah, that's, it's a hard, it's so hard to say because by the time, you know, when we, bring them in. And cause when we start them off, like we go hard. I mean, we start in September guiding seven days a week and we don't stop until the end of March. So by the time that we kind of get them in, show them what's important to, to, to us for them to be as a guide. And like, you know, this is how we work and this is how we operate in the system and the people. And, you know, by the time we've invested that much into them, um, I don't want to put all that effort into somebody where it's, it's a coin flip and it's probably more than a coin flip that it's not, that they're not going to be the right person. I would much rather invest my time in somebody that has come through, you know, a referral for somebody that's working for us. Yeah. Like this is going to be a good fit for you. I know how you guys operate. This guy's going to work. How many employees do you have right now? Um, so we have a, a full-time crew of probably 10 guys and they're year round. Yes. Okay. Yep. Damn. Yeah. What are they doing outside of waterfowl season? Uh, getting ready to waterfall season again. I mean, um, right now they're chasing snows. Snows, yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Mike, we brought on. Mike's a full-time year-round uh, employee. Um, and then we've got, you know, the rest of the, you know, some are in construction. Dalton does plumbing. Uh, Garrett did construction. Drake's, you know, Drake's young, so he's going to kind of go. He's looking for a summer job, but most of them are just doing summer jobs until they can get ready for waterfall season again. Yeah. And then they come on full-time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
that's, that's crazy. That's wild, man. Ten employees. Yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah. And then we have another probably ten that um, just kind of float. So sure. um, like my our metro crew here, Adam Belke runs that. Adam's been with me for 13 years, probably Mike West that, that runs with him. Same amount of time. Um, you know, Sally started uh, four years ago. Um, <laughs> I love, I love that his name is Sally and I've ran into Sally yep. a thousand he's times buddies with David goose. Cause he? he's really yep. good buddies with yeah. David goose. He just had twins, man. Correct. Unreal. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah. he has three kids now, right? Uh, he's got another one on the way. Yep. Unreal Holy shit. Yep. Yep. He's a really good dude. Awesome dude. Yeah, awesome dude. Really? He's that he's that guy you can just tell where he just puts his head down and he just fucking works. Yeah, yeah. He goes to cool. town and he's always you know he's very passionate about taking care of his customers and putting them on the best hunt every day. And right. So, um, you know, most of our guys that we have on staff, we we do cycle through some. I mean, that uh, I'm probably once I get people in and I know they're working hard for us, I tend to be a little bit. Uh, probably too loyal to them. Like I've learned some lessons in the past over the past few years where I, I need to be better at learning when to cut the cord. Like, Hey, this isn't working. Even though you've been here for a while, this isn't going any further and we need to find somebody else. And, and, but, um, so I tend to be a little bit loyal to a fault sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guys that we have, you know, we, they take care of them. We have a, we have a good process. Um, and, uh, they stick around. Yeah. Yeah. So. What would you say is like, the biggest reason for cutting the cord. Cause what I've noticed from waterfowl guides is that they need to get paid every week. Yeah. No matter what. Cause they just have an insane truck payment Yeah, or they've got two kids with other girl, like two different baby mamas and yep. they have child payment and Damn, paying them up, bud. You know what I mean? They just have like, this is just my experience. Oh yeah. It's like not all waterfowl guides are like that obviously, yep. but it's like, there is a little bit I've, of a like I've always noticed that dude. I've noticed that there's a tension all the time of like I need to get paid and I need to get paid now. Yeah. Like all the time. Is that a big thing that you have experienced in your 17 years? Um I personally haven't experienced that so much um because they're also employees of yours though too. Right, right. So we we you know I always take care of my people. Um there's never any, you know, I I don't mess around with pay or anything like that. My guys know that they're always going to get paid. It's never a question. And that's, you know, because I hear that from all the time from all these different guide services that have been around. Like, oh man, this guy owed me, you know, I left and he owed me a ton of money. Yeah. um, So, and we try not to, I'm not going to say that a lot of my guys don't smoke a fair amount of weed, but (laughs) we try to have that be like, that's where that ends. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, um, I think that's a pretty good ending spot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Oh my god! I think that's reasonable, though. I mean, you're either going to get people drinking or smoking weed. Yeah. And if though, if it's you know, as long as like Joey said, it's not meth or yeah, yeah. I mean, get into further stuff. A lot of dudes, a lot of crazy shit going on in this world. Yeah, especially the further south you go. Yeah. You know, you just run into more stuff. By the way, I wore this for you today. Okay. Oh, just break my headphone jack. Webster State Park. You don't recognize where that's from? I don't. That's from uh, Kerwin National Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah in right. uh, Kansas. Yeah. So I don't ever make it over to Kerwin because that's so, an hour plus from my lodge. So the, right. other, the other guides run that one, but we, we do quite a bit of stuff over there. How did you end up with a Kansas operation? Like, and how, how does that work? Do you go down there a lot? Is yeah. that like... 
Yeah. So um, we had a client that um, had been with us a few times and had kind of become a friend and we were talking back and forth and, you know, he's like, ah, I just got, I've got this opportunity. I, I think I want to start guiding hunts and I've got this opportunity for this lease down in Kansas. And, um, you know, it's a lot of money, but it's a lot of land. And what do you think? I was like, well, I mean, Josh, you know, cause he's older than me. I said, Josh, this, like, this is a lot of work. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. No shit. You gotta be careful what you sign up for here. Yeah. Um, because this is a lot of work. And, uh, he's like, no, I'm, I want to do it and I want to do what you guys do. And I said, okay, that's fine. And it was like a 30,000 acre lease. And I said, you know, if you guys, you know, you're small, like you're just starting, like, why don't you let me buy into that lease with you? That'll help, you know, cover some of your overhead and we can start running some hunts when we're closed. Cause right now we don't do anything in December and January. Yeah. And, um, so we did that. And, uh, so he's like, yeah, that sounds good. And we went down there and, um, uh, I think that was probably eight or nine years ago now. And, uh, we got down there and the guy that had the lease didn't want us to buy in on it. And it was kind of a big deal. So all of a sudden we got down there and we had all these clients, but we didn't have any land to hunt. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we just started freelancing and knocking on doors and throwing cash at farmers. And, and, uh, he only did it for a year and we ended up actually taking that lease over the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much, I mean, that's how we started down there. So it, was, it wasn't ever a plan that I was going to guide in Kansas. It just kind of yeah. pretty much like everything with the company is, is happened organically. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. got some plans for the future? Or are you just gonna, are you going to stay a three state guy or what? I don't Cause know where you, because where are you running hunts right now? Minnesota, Kansas, South, South Dakota. Dakota snows. Yeah, well, and the South Dakota ducks in the fall. Oh, really? Yep. Nice. Yeah, yep. we do like a not a big stretch in South Dakota because the licensing, but we do um, probably th- uh, three and a half weeks of guiding in in South Dakota, like late October through mid November. Do you have someone who lives in South Dakota that helps you do that, or nope. so how do you can you guide without a license? So yeah. Yeah, as long as you have to have a tax license in South Dakota, but there isn't a waterfall guide license in South Dakota. Okay. A tax license? Yep. What do you mean? So in South Dakota to guide hunts, um, that is a, um, that's the only state that we run in that we have to charge tax in because there's a sales tax. Interesting. On both the hunt and the hospitality. So it's like a six and a half percent sales tax that we Ouch. have, that we have to pay and that we have to charge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Damn. Yeah. Cause you're in that. Lacuaparo area. Yep. And just the craziest thing ever is that you bought my dad's old lodge that he built. Yeah. That's the craziest thing in the world to me. Yeah. It's two miles away from where I grew up. Is it really? Yeah. That's yeah. epic. No, yeah. I, I grew up in that place and it was built right before I was born. And then we sold it when I was four. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember never seen that. No, you've never seen yeah. it. No. And so I just cried and cried. And then he bought a different piece, not too far from there, but it's yeah. like, I remember being so heartbroken when he sold it to that church. Yeah. And then you bought it from the church and apparently there was like a bunch of problems with it, right? I was also heartbroken when I bought it from the church. <laughs> so, yeah. We had uh you had to walk down you like when you walked in the front door, you would walk downhill past the kitchen table and then back uphill to the oh uh bathrooms. So, yeah, we did what? a lot of there was just it had gone it was in tough shape. So, we What um, happened? I just Nobody was staying there using it or I something. I mean, I was only in there like 20 days a year and, and you know, the, um, I'm not a big construction guy, but the, you know, the, the, uh, floor, uh, there wasn't, um, footings. Really? Right. Yep. So there wasn't any footings <laughs> under the, so, uh, there are now, but there wasn't then. 
And uh, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, Rob, what did you do? Yep, yep. So holy uh, shit, yeah. Um, so dumb. It was a lot of work. Um, you know, the one year that one of the first years that we had it, it was like a, it was a big year, like it was this year for snow. We ended up, and there was no drainage in that crawl space underneath there. Mm-hmm. So we ended up with a foot and a half of water um, in the crawl space. And that's where I spent most of March, one of the first years that I owned it, crawling around in waders and 50-degree water, moving pumps around, trying to, get, uh, trying to get water out of it. What year did you buy that place? So... Um, it was like late two thousands, right? Yeah. Um, gosh, my, I'm going to be in trouble now. Cause we actually, we agreed, my wife and I agreed to buy it. Andrea and I agreed to buy it when we were literally, we had been working back and forth with the church for a while and we got married up in Grand Marais and we were literally like driving down the big hill into Grand Marais and the church called and they weren't going to sell it to us, mm. but then they changed their mind and they decided to sell it to us. So we like agreed to purchase it as we were driving down the hill for the weekend that we got married, which was nine-ish years, eight-ish to nine years ago. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so the church had it for damn near 20-plus years. They had it after for After my dad had it, yeah. 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 So it was way overgrown, and the trees were, um, you know, it was just like buckthorn and uh, ironwood, like, Oh yeah, just grown up everywhere. And yeah, it's wild. Yeah, yeah, it was a bad deal. Does but. it still have like all the trap houses, like the little trap towers around it? Um, no, those are gone now. Those are gone. Yeah, that's too out. bad. Yep. I remember because they would have they were clients like that house. I mean, they're <laughs> he didn't even have to take them out himself. They had uh, they had trap centers or like a it was like a five stand course, Cal. Like you walk through this little wooded path and then there's like a tower, like a duck tower that you shoot as the duck's coming over your head because they take out clients and they could not hit a damn thing. Mm-hmm. So then they're like, you know what? We need to like practice with our clients the day before. So they would just add, add that into their cost and whatever. I remember walking that as a kid and just being like, whoa, yeah, this is the coolest crazy. thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. We had a sand volleyball court where one of them was. So Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's we do a cool. lot of ERBOs there in the summertime. That's it. It's full of ERBOs. We put in a sand volleyball court a couple of years ago, and so that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, Cal, I didn't. Yeah, I hey, didn't really t- quick. Yeah, go ahead. Do you have a ad for us? You want to do? Yeah, Graham. We have been shooting my gray ammunition mm-hmm. all year, mm-hmm. and let me tell you, it's badass. It's legit. You shoot it too? Yes, sir. I love that stuff, yep. man. It's just really consistent. Yeah, that's yeah. like our big thing with it. Is is like right. it is consistent, dude. Yeah consistently folding birds yeah so they came out and hunted with us probably four years ago like right when it first came out really? and uh yeah um drew I, drew yes yeah yeah yep yep came out to the lodge for a couple of days and um it was that year that we had just like we were loaded with specs in western minnesota um and um dude got- i remember this because wade was in town and drew was here hunting with you and wade was texting him Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Small continue. world. Yeah. So there were a bunch. It was weird. There was a bunch of specs. Was, I remember that weekend. Super weird. Yeah. Yeah. There was a pile of specs in Western Minnesota for all of like mid-October through mid-November. But uh, they came out and they're like, hey, just, you know, try this stuff and we want, you know, see what you guys think. And I had never been super shotgun shell loyal at that point. Like I bought what was on right. sale and it was just never a, a big thing for me. And um, one of the first groups that we were out with, um, I loaded up with it and it was like, you know, geese come in, nothing falls, you know, client, you say, kill them guys. And, and the client set up and shoot and like nothing <laughs> falls. And then there was like 
three going out the left side, and that's where me and my guide Mike were at, and we both sat up, and it was like, dunk, 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 and all three birds, like, folded, folded. dead, <clears throat> no cripples, no running away, and they were at, like, you know, it was like a 45-yard crossing shot going away, and all three of them were just, it's like, okay, this is something. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's like, uh, it's that, there's that feeling when you pull up and you connect so hard, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that was definitely the shell. Yeah. And like uh, we got a bunch of twenty gauge from them this past year, and I'm almost out of it. Yeah, we got like seven cases of it. Yeah, and that stuff is just hammer. It's awesome. Hammer. Yeah, hammering geese early season, late season doesn't didn't matter. Yeah, just yeah. peppering the shit. Out. Yeah. I I really like the twenty a lot. Yeah, solid. The twenty gauge is solid. I like the uh, I shoot the two BB stack and then um, the uh, the two uh, what is it the two four stack two four stack yeah. That's what we got That's right what we've there. Been shooting yeah. mostly is two four stack. Yeah. All right, Joey, you got another question for him? Yeah. Um, hold on. Let me, hey, what's uh, something crazy that you've seen? Like, do you can you tell us like a couple crazy stories? And you can think about it for a minute. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, seventeen years guiding, like you've got to have seen some wild shit. You know, the hard thing is there's, I mean, when you guide, like <laughs> every day can get a little bit crazy. Um, so. <laughs> you know, like the amount of crazy stuff and crazy shit that we, we have seen and dealt with over the years. Um, one, <laughs> one of my favorite stories, uh, and this isn't like super crazy, but it's just funny. Um, we had, uh, my, I was talking about my guides, Garrett and Zach, and they ran a hunt a couple years ago and us uh, probably five, six years ago now. And they had these old guys in from Wisconsin and, uh, they came out to the lodge and stayed and they went out and hunted. It was an early goose. Uh, it was a September hunt. And, um, <laughs> So Zach calls me up after the hunt. I was like, hey, buddy, how's it going? He's like, oh, it's good. I said, how'd the hunt go? He's like, yeah, we did all right. You know, they shot like 15 or something like that. And he's like, you got you to gotta hear the story. I was like, okay, what's up? And he said, so we're sitting there, and it's like first thing, and, you know, the <laughs> geese aren't moving yet, and this, this old timer goes, hey, do you mind if I go to the bathroom? And I was like, yeah, tear it up, bud. You know, whatever. You know, it's, <laughs> just grown tear man. Tear it up. You know, yes. go for it. So he gets up out of his um gets up out of his layout blind and like walks behind him like five feet and then Zach's like he drops his pants down to his knees and squats and just starts taking the most <laughs> disgusting shit no I have dude. ever heard in my life like directly <laughs> behind the layout blinds and he's like and it's like full vocals clearly was not feeling well that morning um and you know so yeah so you know garrett and i are just not the same thing right it's like just looking at each other like holy fuck this guy is just (laughs) destroying this field literally feet behind us and he said and then he proceeded to get up and do that like three more times throughout the course of the hunt where this so he had eaten some the night before and just got up and just kept shitting like feet like wasn't walking off into the corn to like the fence row was like literally from us apart while he's just destroying you didn't tell him i wasn't there for it i just i when when zach told me i was like I was like, what did you do? He's like, well, what can I do? The guy's like 80. You know, he's like my grandpa. I'm not going to, you know, tell him, hey, man, you know, maybe, you know, maybe God, take you a walk You guys really do practice good customer <laughs> <Yeah>. service. 
these guys, they don't even make people take a walk and take a shit, bro. You can shit right next to the blind, son. Well, here's the thing, too. If you let something like that slide the first time and you don't say anything about it, you're oh, fucked yeah. the you're, next five you're, times. Yeah, yeah you're done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and hopefully the wind wasn't at your back. Yeah. Because that would just be... Awful. Yeah. How long ago was this? Was this a few years ago? This is like five, six years ago. So has this guy been back? <laughs> uh this group came back one other time. Yeah. Did he shit right behind the blind? Not the not the next time. No. <laughs> no. Just... So um but you know there, That's there's so just, gross. yeah, there's so much crazy stuff that happens. Like i mean, just we it's usually a couple times a year where I'll talk to one of the guides is like, you know, I've been doing this a long time and every time that I think I've seen it all <laughs> You ever had like a spooky moment? Um, as far as kind of eerie or like weird or, uh, well, we did have, uh, so the lodge that the guides stay at in Kansas. Yeah. All of my guides think it's haunted. Really? Yeah. So I'll show you when we get a second here, I'll pull up a video. So our guy, Drake, you know, and so this is talk has been going on. We've been staying at the same lodge for a couple of years and, and Drake sent me a video. And so it's like five o'clock in the morning. Um, our group wasn't guiding that morning. So he wakes up to go scout and he wakes up and like the other guides have all been gone for hours and he wakes up and he looks in the corner and there's a rocking chair and the rocking chair is just going back and forth. And he's the only person down there. Like hardcore. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Do you take a video? Yeah. Let me see if I end it. Um, so then when we were down there for, uh, we went down for a women's weekend hunt, uh, my wife and, and, uh, we, we do a couple of women's weekends hunts a year. Yeah. Um, I was over there and I gotta find this thing. Um, so I'm over there. Do you there. stay there? Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I'm always giving the guides like shit. Like you guys, this, this place is not haunted. You know, you guys are a bunch of pussies. Yeah. And <laughs> so we had gotten done with this hunt and, um, uh, Reed and I had went back to, um, to change and stuff before we go to, to eat. Right. Yeah. So I hopped in the shower and um showered and changed and everything and then like i'm, I'm trying you know so reed when i had gotten when i went into the shower was talking on the phone with his kids so i get out and i'm like you know i'm kind of looking around and then i hear reed talking but he's like right outside the front window and i'm like what the fuck is he doing talking to his kids outside. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't he just talk to him, you know, in the bedroom? Yeah. Like he was like, why did he, uh, that's weird. So I'm sitting there and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And it's like, all right, these ladies are going to be waiting for us. We better go. So I walk outside and I'm looking around and there's no read. And it's like, well, that's fucking weird. So I walk back inside, go back to his bedroom, no read. Starting to get a little weirded out. And then, so I go downstairs and there's like, you go down the stairs and there's a basement and then there's a bathroom back there. And I yell his name and he's like, yeah, I'm in the bathroom. Okay. So he comes up and I was like, you're ready to go. He's like, yeah. I was like, why were you talking to your kids outside? So what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So when I got out of the shower, I got dressed, oh, came man. into the living room and I heard you outside talking <laughs> to your kids. He's like, no, as soon as you went in the shower, I got off the phone and I've been downstairs in the bathroom since looking at my phone. It's like, so you're telling me you have not had a conversation with anyone since I got in the shower? Oh my. Yeah. And he's like, no, I've I've been downstairs. Some skinwalker shit. Yeah. Sketchy. Yeah. Creepy. Let me see. uh, Let me see this rocking chair. Hold on. I got to find it. It is going to be. 
I'm like, this is always the weirdest thing to me. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh. Okay, sure, he says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not going to be able to see it probably, but. Well, it's rocking. It's a rocking chair moving. Yeah. And it's inside, so there's no wind effect. Yeah. Dude, that's creepy. Yeah, super creepy. I really don't like that. So yeah. it is haunted, you decided now? I, I'd be hard-pressed to say it wasn't at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Too yeah. much evidence. Yeah, correct. Yeah. You guys ever have, like, cabinets open and, like, stuff like that, too? Um, Some of the guides have said there's been, like, they've, they've woke up in the morning and, like, there's, like, a, a chest that they have, just, like, a decorative, you know, pottery barn chest. Sure. That's been, like, in the middle of the floor. Um, oh, dude. Stuff like that. I'm moving, bro. <laughs> but it's a friendly ghost, apparently, because they've never really bothered us. Yeah, they sure. just want to, yeah, they yeah. just sit in the chair and hang out, hang out watch yeah. you sleep. Steal our white claws. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Or light. No, it's, it's the, the biggest ghost. thing that goes missing. <laughs> it's the ghost. It's yeah. the ghost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's freaky. No, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the paranormal. Yeah. Shit. I don't know if I believe in it necessarily, but um, there's a lot of evidence showing that there is some weird shit going on. Definitely weird stuff happening. Yeah. Right. But what's the explanation for it? That's Well, I don't know. Thing. I mean, like, I, we, well, let's not get into the weeds about it, but the reality could be if you're, I mean, depending on what your belief system is, it could be a worse explanation that you don't want to get into. Graham, I'm telling you, do you have a TikTok? Uh, I don't, actually. Dude, I'm, it's about to get banned. Yeah. They just voted in Congress 419 to zero. Yeah. Oh, it's really? It's going to get banned. Yeah. Cool. I think that was today or yesterday. You know, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm fine with it. No, I'm not. Because the reality is, though, it's like, for us, it's just another platform to try to figure out. Yeah. No lie. I don't know. I, I don't use it for the duck hunting purposes, but I've learned so much from TikTok. Yeah. But what it's really done for me is just put me down the conspiracy rabbit hole. Sure. Hard. And the, the one that I'm not going to go too far into it, but this is the one that's just absolutely blowing my mind, is uh, all of the, the um, operations that the United States have been a part of. So there's one, like this is before NASA was formed and then NASA was formed. And it's like Operation High Jump, Operation uh, Firmament or something like that. But there's like all these different things. And the weirdest one is they found out that this guy, they sent this guy down to Antarctica or the South Pole. Mm -hmm. And he comes back with a diary full of shit. And the diary says... You know, I found another civilization. There is a civilization that's 2,500 years old underneath the ice, and there's a huge ice wall. And they're like, discredited him, you know, whatever, yep. and then he died a year after. Mysteriously. Mm -hmm. So then, because he wasn't supposed to come out with his diary, and then his son came out with his journal, and then he died mysteriously. So it's like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. But after he got back from that trip... All the United Nations, like China, Russia, like not even the United Nations, just every nation signed a treaty in like 1959 that it's restricted area, the South Pole. Okay. So like, why? Mm -hmm. So right now you are just talking about random creepy conspiracy theories that you're interested right, in. Right, but correct? there's so much <laughs> evidence. There. There's so much evidence about it where it's like, why would all of these nations come together and say no one can go there? Hey. But also, weird. crazier conspiracy theory, not a single sitting U.S. senator didn't invest any less than $1 million in Pfizer stock before COVID. Mm. Conspiracy theory? Not sure. I don't know. Anyway, um, 
hey, here's a good spot for another ad. <laughs> Guys, this podcast is brought to you by Sound Gear. Graham, I don't know if you protect your hearing yet, but you should start. Okay. And we're uh, we're happy to tell you guys that Soundgear has come out with some of the best hearing technology on the market. They spent way more money than you can even fathom to try to understand what is the way to protect people's hearing and still make it not annoying to put in your ears. So it's Bluetooth. It's rechargeable. So you can just pair it to your iPhone. What's yeah. that? Oh, you're wearing the hat. Oh, yeah, I am, actually. Hmm. It's crazy. Yep. Um, they actually shoot like a, a molding or a plastic in your okay. ear so it gets to your full ear canal. Yep. And then, obviously, if it goes over 14 decibels or whatever hurts your ear, it blocks it out. But you can still call just fine. It doesn't, like, hinder your hearing. You mm -hmm. don't sound like shit on the call, all that jazz. And you can still hear people talking, so it amplifies the noises that you want to hear. You can still hear the whistling wings. Don't worry about that. Yep. And uh, it just protects your hearing. Okay. Yeah. Last it's, episode, we had my dad on here, and he's deaf as shit. Right. Yeah. And so we did a whole bit where it's like, don't be like my dad. Right. Wear hearing protection. Um, I was going to say, the other thing about it, uh, a lot of people ask me or have asked me what like makes it different or like why should I pay for that versus this or Tetra yep. or whatever. Um, they're owned by Starkey, which yep. is a huge hearing aids technology company. Yep. One of the largest manufacturers of hearing aids in the world. So Global. they, I mean, you're literally getting hundreds of years and millions upon millions of dollars worth of research to make hearing aids in a hearing device that's made for hunting. Sounds like they should come to the lodge next year. For sure. They probably should. Yeah. We should probably talk about that. Correct. We can line that up. <laughs> um, all right. Joey, did you have something else you wanted to get into right away? Otherwise, I have a couple things too. Uh, why don't you go into yours because okay. i got to remember mine. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, man, is who did you probably, like who would you say you learned the most from in terms of hunting? Um, so that's kind of a... It, for me and, and how I came into this, um, it's a little bit different, you know? So when I grew up, um, so our farm is literally like, so, you know, the lodge is at, right. So you, you go, um, two miles straight east of the lodge and you dead end into the lake. And on the North side of the road is one of our family farms. Oh, cool. So between those two family farms, um, back in the heyday of Tennessee pass and La Caparral pass shooting. And, you know, when that was just, that was it for goose hunting in Minnesota, those two farms had 42 pits and blinds um, that were, you know, back then they were 200 yards apart and there was three to four guys in each blind. And our season was only 30 days back then. So mm. literally people in like mid-September would start showing up. They would leave their campers in our yard um, and they would stay there the entire year, like or the entire nuts. hunting season. Like they didn't leave. So we had all these guys from like Honeywell and Cargill and all these, uh, uh, Matt from, uh, Matt's bar and grill, juicy Lucy. He used to have a blind out there. Um, and these guys would just come out there and stay and hunt. And it was one goose a day and two in possession. So they would, you know, they would shoot their two birds and they would send one of the wives back home to the Metro with the geese that, you know, everybody's possession limit would sure. all go in one vehicle and it would go back to the Metro. And so for me, from a hunting standpoint, like, it wasn't necessarily about the hunting. It was just like about the people and the experience and having everybody together and having everybody like this community that we had at the two farms. Um, yeah. So it's kind of unique actually. Yeah. Kinda yeah. Crazy. It, it's a little different story than most. Um, so when I was a kid, um, I had three hunters that used the, their camper was like right next to our farmhouse. So, and it was Al Irvin chip. 
Um, those are the three hunters that had. Um, what were they? Al, Irv, and Chip? Al, Irv, and so Chip. <laughs> yep. Yep. So Al, Irv, and Chip would come out, and they only hunted on the weekends, but as soon as they would get there, um, you know, I would come over, and they would. I would basically stay there with them the entire weekend, and Irv always brought me out like a G.I. Joe or a toy or something like that, and um, I would hunt with them. Every, you know, every day that they were out there, I would go out to the blind. And then, um, so, you know, that was kind of the early stages of my hunting experience. And I would bring my BB gun out. Um, you know, my mom would, you know, I was always out there with them. So my mom usually a couple times a year would like bring them out breakfast. She'd bring out like eggs and pancake. Cause it was literally their blind. They hunted in number eight. Um, that was probably 250 yards out our back door. So they wow. would just That's cool. like walk on out and, you know, they'd bring, pancakes so this is, and eggs and bacon just right out to the blind and and so that was my that was my beginning goose hunting so this is like always been a thing for you how young, so if you're bringing a bb gun you're probably four yeah, i mean from the time i can remember i was always out there sitting in number eight with them yep that's cool yep so um you know as years went along then um uh, you know, then Irv didn't come out anymore because he started having some health problems. So then it was Al and Chip, and then they brought Tim. So then I hunted with uh, uh, Al, Tim, and Chip, and then Chip didn't come, and then it was just Al and Tim. And then, you know, so now we're starting to get into, oh, would be the late 90s, early 2000s when lack of parl pass shooting is you know, dying yeah. off and people are going to Rochester and Fergus Falls. And, and, and so, and we could only shoot one goose a day still, but you could go everywhere else in the state and shoot two or three. So things just kind of dwindled off. But then, you know, the goose hunting piece of it, then once I got older, um, I started going out with my cousins and then the three of us would go and we'd go sit in a blind and we would, you know, pass shoot geese every day. Uh, pretty much. I mean, for me, my shotgun and my backpack we're literally inside the front door of our farmhouse. So I would get off the bus. I would run down the driveway. I would throw my backpack inside, grab my gun, and go right out back and and uh, try and shoot a goose pretty <laughs> much totally, every night. I totally understand that because yep. I grew up on a shit lake not far from here. And uh, every day after soccer practice, I would grab my shit. I wouldn't even take off my soccer jersey. <laughs> And my coach would get so pissed because it was so dirty. It was mm -hmm. white. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wearing a white soccer jersey with, like, shorts, shin guards, everything. I'd just take the gun, run out on the pallet dock. It was, like, a mile. And just throw out six decoys and sit on the pallet dock. Yeah. In white. In white. And I'd still kill birds. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. You, cool. you did wear that soccer jersey like it was a t-shirt. Like, it was, like, right. your clothes, it was, dude. Yeah. It wasn't good. It wasn't, like, for the game. It was just, like, <laughs> this is a shirt out. Right. Like, what? This is what yeah. I have to wear. It's not good. Yeah. So It's awesome. not good. Yeah. No, I've been trashing my shit since day one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nice. Yeah. So, okay. So, to the question of yep. who'd you learn the most from, is there anyone that you could Aller say? Aller of Chip. You know. Aller of Chip, yeah. So, from a hunting standpoint, I would say, you know, um, I didn't, you know, my, my dad and I weren't super close. Um, the relationship that I had was with my mom, but the relationship with her was different because she never hunted, but she ran the hunting operation. So she was the one that kind of started off with like, you know, we had, um, you know, we had these two farms and, you know, there's people that were just hunting in the ditch around the lake. And then all of a sudden these guys showed up and they're like, Hey, could we give you $5 to go sit behind that stack of hay bales and 
try and shoot these geese because there's all kinds of idiots, you know, sitting in the road ditch around right, this lake. Right. This is before the controlled hunt and everything like that. So, um, so from my hunting experience, it's a little bit different than most because I didn't really have a mentor from the hunting side of things. But what I had was, um, you know, my mom was always was the mentor when it came to like growing, the, you know, working with people and creating that community and just having that network of people and um, bringing people out. And because and really guiding is it's about the hunting, but it's it's more about the people because the guide services that don't make it are the guide services that are just about the hunting. If they're not focused on the people, they don't make it, especially in 2023 with reviews and, you know, with everything that's going on. Totally. Yeah. So you have to be, you have to be invested in the, on the people side of things to be able to make guiding work. And, you know, for me, that was my biggest mentor um, growing up. And that's why we've, you know, honestly, that's why we've been so successful from a guide service standpoint where we've grown so quick is because you know, everything that we do leading up to the hunt and during the hunt is about, is about the people. That's huge, man. No, I've, I've, uh, that's actually one of the coolest answers of we've gotten from For sure. like your mom and she didn't even hunt. Yeah. But like, that's who you learn the most it's about. It's a very unique like experience to where you are right now, truthfully yep. today. Cause like most guys like Joey grew up hunting. My dad and I hunted all the time. It was yeah. just like. It was about the hunting, you know, yep. not really seeing the side of it of like it being a business or. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean that like, as I think back for sure, Rob did a really good part of that because he would just bring out people from his company and like he would take care of the people that he was working that worked for him at all star. And he'd be like, yep, bring your family, bring your kids. We're going to have you shoot a couple of geese. Oh yeah, you know, and the, no, there was, was just always people at Laquaparl, mm-hmm. but then also at the New Lodge, like all the time. It was yep. always like not a party, but there was just always people there. Yeah, and so he was always just like paying for people to come out and just like feeding them, and mm-hmm. oh, let's catch some walleyes on the lake, you know, and yeah, bring your kids. Always yep. bring your kids, which was so cool. But um, that is one thing that I've noticed about guiding is, especially with younger guide services, so many people are on their phones. Mm-hmm. the entire time during the hunt. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're having a slow day, mm-hmm. like you have to understand how to entertain your yep. clients. Yep. You know, like if you're having a shit day of hunting, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're cold. Yep. They're hanging out like shoulder to shoulder in an A-frame or in a layout even mm-hmm. worse. Yep. And it's like you have guys sitting on your phone. Yep. And they're not talking to the clients or whatever. I mean, that's half the experience. Yeah, for sure. And if so, if uh, on those days, because they are inevitable and they are, you know, more frequent than anybody ever wants to admit because Mother Nature is Mother Nature. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're out there and you can't make a conversation with, and, and we have groups sometimes that come out and, you know, man, you just can't, you just can't draw anything out of them. You know, right. it's like, man, I've asked you every question that I've ever learn to ask a client to start <laughs> yeah, yeah, a conversation yeah. and we ain't getting anywhere. So, you know, it's like at that point I've, I've done what I can and I've tried what oh, I can and, yeah. and it is what it is. But for the most part on those long days, like if you're out there and if you can't relate to these people and, and, you know, ask some questions and get some conversation going and, um, it, it's just, you're not, you're not cut out for guiding, um, yeah. because it's just, you know, you can't just live just on the good days because they're, you know, when the hunting's good, it's great and that's fine. But, um, you know, when the hunting's bad, that's what really makes, you know, when the hunting's slow, that's what makes a true waterfall guide. Yeah. Well, and, and another question for you is tips. Yep. Right. Yep. I've noticed, cause I've, I've guided a decent amount at this point and tips 
have been split weirdly throughout mm-hmm. every guide service that I've ever worked for, but yep. half the time they hand it to the guides. Yep. Right. And so like I have an understanding of what people tip, but what I've noticed is the slow days and people who hunt a lot, mm-hmm. if you have good conversation with them, you will get tipped out yep. hard. Yep. And then when you just absolutely smash and there's not even time to talk to the clients, mm-hmm. you end up barking at them a little bit more where it's yep. like, Hey, you're done. Yep. This or that. Put your gun up in the air when we're guiding, you know, or when we're retrieving mm-hmm. birds or when the dogs are out. And you find that there's less interaction with the client when you're absolutely smashing the birds. Yep. Than there is when it's kind of like a slow day. It's like a gentleman's hunt where it's like onesies, twosie. Yep. You know, have you noticed the same thing? Yeah. You know, every group is different and, and you just never know, especially when you're taking out a new group. Um, what What's weird is over the years... Some of my worst clients and my worst client experiences have been with groups that have just absolutely fucking crushed mm-hmm. when they were out there with us. Just, you know, um, some groups you just can't make happy. Um, right. And some groups, they're, they're just, their expectations are so unrealistic. doesn't matter what you do. It should always be more. Um, but, you know, the guys always it's always interesting because the guides, you know, I, I tend to pay attention to it a little bit more than they do. Cause I just, I always, if we have a group that tips well, I want to make sure they come back for the guides. Um, you know, if they don't tip as well, then I'm probably not going to pursue them as hard. I'm not going to say I'm going to turn them away, but right. I'm not going to be, you know, our lodge manager, Ashley follows up and sends emails to everybody as soon as they're done. And just thank you for coming out and hunt with us. And we want to make sure you get your dates for next year. So when that lead is hot, we always want to make sure that we're bringing them, you know, totally. back in for the following year. Um, but you know, the guys, you know, if you ask the guides, they would probably say they get tipped better on slow days than when they smash. Like, cause, cause, oh, shit. But, but well, the expectation is, you know, guys, are going to tip what they're, you know, like every group has kind of got a maximum dollar amount that they're going to be comfortable with whether right. hunting was great or not. Yeah. So if you have a group of guys that goes out and has an awesome hunt and they are just generally, it doesn't matter what you did or how many you shot or how many limits that you shot every day for three, four or five days, they're still going to give you a hundred bucks. Yeah. Right. You know, and <clears throat> then you have some guys that are just out there that, you know, they appreciate the experience and they appreciate the effort and the chit chat and smashing or not, you're still going to get, you know, you're still going right. to get that big. Tip. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that's really interesting to me about that though, is that it really is just true pretty much about any industry, mm-hmm. like anything in the world. Like you think about like going on vacation, you know, or even when we go like somewhere to hunt with people that maybe it's the first time we've met them and you can tell when you meet people if you have a good vibe or a good connection or they're like positive, whatever it is, you can tell like, oh, it's going to be fun. Like even if we don't have a great hunt or yep. we don't have a lot of great, you know, yep. birds or something like that, like we're still going to have a really good time. Yeah. And same thing if you go like on vacation, man, like you go on vacation and the first place you sit down at the waitress or the waiter is super fun and cool mm-hmm. and you have an awesome meal or whatever, like you've already, you've set the tone immediately. Yeah. Like, okay, my mindset is good. It's going to be good. Yeah. Right. And well, so it's, I, it, what we're doing is we're hunting migratory birds Yeah, and we're trying to time the weather mm-hmm. and we're trying to time the migration and the field mm-hmm. and the field that they're hunting or that right. they're hitting and feeding yep. in or yep. the water hole that they transitioned in at 9am the day before. Yeah. You know? And so you have to understand 
as a client or as the guide, like anything can fucking happen mm-hmm. because it's nature yep. and you cannot control nature. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many variables that can affect this punt hunt positively or negatively. And most of those variables are probably going to hunt affect it negatively. (laughs) Um, but, and people don't get that, you know, and it's hard. Some, you know, the hard thing about being the owner is a lot of times I, cause I, I don't ever want, I want to jump on the, that, that grenade for the guides. Like, I don't want to be the one, I don't want them to be the one that have to deliver the bad news. I would rather deliver the bad news Yeah. because then, because they're, you know, if I'm not there, they're the ones that are in the field with them. And I don't want, you know, I, I just don't want that client pissed off. They're going to be pissed employee. off. I'd rather have them be pissed off at me Yeah. and not the guys. Um, and you know, people always ask me and I, 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 kind of over the years have gotten to be, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit of a dick now when they ask this question, but <laughs> clients will ask me, no, just, just tell me the truth. It's like, Oh, okay, shoot. Well, cause I was going to lie to you, but I guess now I should, pr- I'll, I'll try to tell the truth this time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everything else I say, I'm full of shit because I'm, I'm, so everything else is a lie, but this time I'll tell you the truth. Um, and such a sarcastic ass. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you, when you do this, it's, you know, when you do this stuff day in and day out, like we know, like we understand, we get it. We get it that, yeah, all those ducks were roosted on there, but you know, the landowner's dog, they went out for a walk at five o'clock in the morning and he, you know, bumped that roost and they're all gone now and we're fucked this morning. And so all I can do is just tell them the truth, you know, and they're either going to believe me or they think that we're full of shit. And, we threw like a dart at the map and just chose to drive 50 minutes away from the lodge with, you know, three vehicles and everybody so that we could sit in this fucking cornfield and shoot nothing. When we could have done that a mile from the lodge, you know? So dude, that's, that's harsh. Yeah. That's funny though. Dude, yeah, I've you never say heard that? Ex- you tell people that I do. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. Kudos. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, if they're not going to, you know, if they're not going to believe me, I mean, I can't, I can't control that, you know? So sometimes the only response to that is just to make it so obvious to them. Like, why would we drive an hour to shoot nothing? Like I got, I got 10 fields within 30 seconds of the lodge that we can do that at, you know, like we're here for a reason, you know, but variables happen on all of these hunts and, um, you know, this was the best place for us to kill fowl tomorrow or today and it's not working out and we're going to do the exact same thing tomorrow to try and find our best hunt. Yeah. So my question for you is what I've noticed is that you guys are very consistent in your numbers. Thank you. And like what you do. Yeah. And obviously there's a lot of variables to that and there's good years and mm-hmm. there's bad years and whatever, but I feel like you have something figured out that a lot of people don't. And maybe it's because you have 10 full-time employees where there's just so many boots on the ground that you're finding shit. Yep. But like, what would you say is the most, I don't know, what's the reason why you're so consistent, I guess? Well, you know, you get to know the areas after you do it for a long time. Like you, you know, I know if the guys can't find anything in September, I can send them five fields that we've hunted in the past in September, this time of year and have had birds in them, you know? So Mm. you get to know the landscape, you get to know the area. Um, the big thing is, you know, you can't, as the owner, you can't ever look at the bill 
like the fuel bill for scouting. Right. You know, that's just like, that's just is what it is. And you just got to let the guys go and you just got to let them drive. Um, but you know, we, so many of these areas we've, you know, like we know where to look at certain times of year. Okay. Oh shit. It's mid October, you know, Go typically mid October where we want to be is, you know, and, uh, can't be too specific on the podcast, unfortunately. Right. But yeah, we need to be, so we need be in this, this, and this. Right. Like these are the areas that we're normally killing fowl this time of year, and somebody needs to go. You know, somebody. It's a long ways, but somebody needs to go up by here because this yeah. is the time of year that the birds start showing up. It's the October full moon. We're going to get a push of ducks if we don't have them here today. They're going to be here tomorrow, and you know, so you just you know you just learn that stuff year over year over year, and then on top of that, you know, then you do. You know, it never fails. We always stumble across, um, you know, we had a few years ago, um, and it's been a real bummer because it's been dry for the last three years because of the drought. I think I know what you're talking about because I was going to bring that up today too. Yeah. That sheet water. Um, Oh, by the lodge? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that, I know that area and I've hunted it before. It might have been before you leased it. It had to have been. Yep. But that place is a banger. Oh, yeah. Every single time I've hunted it, because I've seen a couple of videos of you hunting there, I'm like, oh, my God, that is definitely that spot. Yep. Because, like, my first year bringing a big group of guys out to western Minnesota when I got really into waterfowl again mm-hmm. was to that spot, and we <coughs> raked them yep. out of that little sheet water deal. Yep. That was one of my first times hunting layouts next to a water spot. Yep. And let me tell you. Yep. <laughs> yep. But it's been dried up. Yeah. You know, yes. The last couple of years have really, well, so um, this last year dry, two years ago wet. Um, Mm. Because we had that, we had that big storm. You know, what we always look for is those big rainstorms in like late September, early October. And we had those two, it was, uh, so I think it was the first weekend in October, we got six inches of rain overnight. And then two weeks later, we got another four inches of rain overnight. Good Lord. And, you know. Um, I've been doing this for a while and I know myself pretty well, but I also know that I am a 10,000 time better duck hunting guide when I'm hunting in flooded corn. Um, so sick. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great to be the, honest about yeah, that. As soon as we see those big rainstorms come, like we got 10 spots that we send the guides to immediately and yep. we lock that, we lock that down. Yeah. You know what's shitty though? Yeah. Is they're really starting to drain tile out there. I know. Bad. Yeah. And it's pissing me off. Yeah. You know, who's one of them? Who? Dorweiler. Oh, really? Drain tiling some bitch. Really? Stop. Yeah. Stop drain tiling. Yeah. But, you know, it affects his livelihood. Yeah. He has to. It's like, Lauren, cut it out. Yeah. We like the guys that don't like to, they're okay with not having as much land to farm (laughs) because it's really expensive to drain tile. You know, we we, we like those farmers. Just take the insurance check. Correct. You know, just take the check. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Don't do extra work in the spring and summer. Yeah. Just cut it out. Yeah. Had a system. We had a system. Fucking the system up. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Are you gone a lot then, man? Because you live, you don't, like, you live around here, right? Live in Rogers. Yeah. When you have yeah. 12 children. Uh, five. Five yep. kids. Seems like 12 most days. There you go. But, yep, five. Yep. <laughs> well, every time I've been over to the house, just like, mama, mama, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, because obviously you have the lodge in South, uh, you have a lodge in La Caparo. Yep. Got a lodge in South Dakota? Correct. Well, we don't own it, but we have okay, one. Okay, so you have one there. part-time of the year. Yep, yep. Okay. And then same thing with Kansas, or you own the Kansas one? Uh, Kansas, we actually have like six different 
uh, it's not one main facility in lodges or in, sure. in Kansas. It's it's like basically six ranch houses. That so we do you just out. float? You're just like all over the place mm-hmm. all the time, yep. all the year. Yep. So Western Minnesota, um, you know, I usually guide like because I also coach football for my son now, so it's a little bit different. But um, I will usually go out on like a Thursday, guide Friday, Saturday, come back either Saturday night or Sunday morning. And then there's stretches during the time, during the season. Like when dive bomb is out, then I'll stay, you know, I'll stay out there yeah, for yeah. a week. Um, and then, but I try to stick with weekends when we're in Western Minnesota, when we go to can or when we go to South Dakota, our stretch in South Dakota, that's early November. I'll do like a nine day stretch out there. Okay. Um, and then um, kind of continue weekends through Western Minnesota. And then I don't go down for the first part of Kansas. Um, I go down the second weekend and then I guide 10 days, come home for Christmas. And then I go back after Christmas cause there's six days before they're split. And then I'm home for once the split hits, I'm home for three weeks. And then we've got a, a nine day stretch They're They're late season duck stretch in Kansas. Um, and then, so I'm, that's a longer stretch. And then I do one more long stretch in February and that's usually it for me. And then I'll do some, you know, my wife and I flew down there for a weekend. Like I was telling you about earlier, but yeah. Yeah. So, that's, so it's pretty intense though. Yeah. Dude, that is a. That's a hectic schedule you got, but I mean, you're full time and you have mm-hmm. all year to prepare for true, it, yeah. which true. is really yeah. cool. We got one more sponsor to talk we to do. you about. Yep. Thank you, bro. Uh, Good job. This podcast is sponsored by OnX. I don't know if you use OnX, Graham, but mm. let me tell you. Now I've got these plot maps that I use. You still oh, use yeah, plot maps? Yeah, and they're, the birds are always feeding right on the edge between page uh, 14 and, and or 32. That's the worst. It's one or the other, but no, yeah, no, we've been using OnX for a while. Dude, it's... It's so revolutionary, especially like Cal, Cal started hunting with me 10 years ago now. And so he never had to deal with plat maps. Right. But let me tell you. Yeah. Those things were a bitch. And especially if you don't have GPS, so you don't know exactly like back when Tom Toms were a thing. Mm-hmm. So I'd never had a Tom Tom. And so I'm like looking at the pages. And I'm like, I think I'm here, mm-hmm. but you never really know for sure. Yeah. Yep. That was a nightmare. So, but now Onyx hooks up to Apple. Apple Play and Car Car, or yeah. CarPlay, and it's just incredible. I yeah. do remember MapQuest. Sure, you remember yeah. MapQuest, but beep, you never beep, had to pull boop, out bop, the plat book no. to yeah. figure out who owned it. No. That um, was a nightmare. The other thing is they have some insane features kind of coming out right mm-hmm. now. Um, they have the CarPlay. You know, you can go on there and like set your optimal wind direction, yep. look at the wind map or whatever, kind of pick out days that work good. Um, I did hear some crazy rumblings about some some new possibilities for getting photos of different areas of the country. I won't get too specific right now. It's a, it's an exciting new thing that's coming. Okay. I have no idea what he's talking I, about. It's one of those things that like I got told about it. Yeah. And truthfully, like I don't know if I'm not supposed to talk about it. Yeah. It was supposed to be out by Cal's now. That was a big deal. So like he sure. can't. No, 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 know, no. He I'm has all saying. the insider trading. <laughs> You know, he can't, he can't talk too specific, you know, right? big deal. Yeah. So, but you guys, don't we have a coupon code for, we do. It's MWF 30. MWF 30. Get 30% off. It's on our website too. I do forget it a lot, truthfully, but it is on our website. No. So if you guys want to spend or uh, save some money, if you want to spend some money on our website, you can do that too. But um, if you want to save some money, go to our website. You can use our code to get 30 bucks or 30% off. 30% off. 30% 30% off a membership. So if you get the full country, I think it's 50 bucks, bucks a year. 100 bucks a year. 99.99. Much cheaper than a trespassing ticket. For sure. Huge. Yeah. And with our discount, it's only 70 bucks. <laughs> yeah. 
Dude, so go do that. So you want a funny story about OnX for me? Yes, that's so perfect. We, um, so if there's anybody that lives, like you cannot hunt waterfowl in the Dakotas unless you have an OnX. Um, so we used that's to guide. That's very true. Yes. Yeah, it's very true. And here is why. So we guide, we used to guide in Webster. So you know Webster and, and South Dakotas. Dakota. Yes. Yep. Yep. We don't guide there anymore. That's why I can talk about it now. But um, so you know, there's all the meandered waters and everything that's out there, right? Oh God. Yep. So I was, um, we were using Onyx, but Onyx was not in South. Like there's counties in South Dakota where most of them it was not there yet. So this was probably six years ago, and um, we find this just mega duck feed, just like insane. I was like, yes. holy fuck, we need this one so bad. So I'm looking at that plat. I'm looking at the plat. I'm like, yep, okay, this is, okay, so we're here, you know, and you can't see, there's no GPS, right? Oh, so yeah. you're like looking on the road and you're trying to gauge. And so I call up this farmer and I'm like, yeah, you know, we, we're, we're by your land. This is where we're at. We're in this township and this section. And you have got a bunch of ducks. You know, we want to give you some cash to get in there for a day. And they're like, where are you at? And I said, well, we're here. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that would, that would be fine. Yeah. That you guys can hunt that. And I was like, oh, okay, great. So I said, do you mind if we drive down there just so we can see it, you know? So like, you know, midday, we want to drive down there so we can see it before the ducks start coming in there. She's yep. like, oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. Go. So we go back, you know, so maybe it's, you know, the ducks were feeding at, you know, five. So we get there at like three, to go out and drive down to this yep, piece in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, because we just wanted to see the landscape before yep. they start going in there. So I call her up and I'm like, "Do I cut across this pasture?" And she's like, "I should have known better," because she was so hesitant on the phone. She's like, "Yeah, that that sounds right." I said, "Okay, sounds good." So I, you know, I kind of cut across this this pasture, and I come to this cornfield, and we, you know, we follow this fence line down, and as I'm there, all of a sudden I look over, and there's this, you know, there's decoys and spinners it's like oh shit somebody's hunting here but it wasn't it wasn't where we wanted to be it's like oh man we're you know there was it on that same piece of land though trying to figure my, that out my interpretation of it was yes it was okay so i was like well we have permission to be here i don't know if these guys are supposed to be here she didn't spoke she didn't say anything about this yeah so you know we drive down and we you know so we go across that and we go across this field and we get down to the spot and we figure everything out. It's like, yeah, we're going to hunt. You know, it's like, we're going to set up here. And it was right off the water, right off of this, um, this big piece of water down there. Like it was just going to be an epic, epic smash. So we come driving out and this guy that's in the decoy spread, which we weren't particularly close to, but we did cut across the South side of the field to get down there. Yeah. And, um, you know, he comes, he's running across the field, coming out hot. I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. So roll down my window and it just, you know, always try to diffuse first. And what the fuck are you guys doing out here? It's like, well, we got permission from this lady. And, you know, we're not here to mess with your hunt. We're staying way down here, but we're going to be down there in the morning. Yeah. Well, I have permission to be out here all weekend. And the landowner said there was, I was like, I just got off the phone with her. And he's like, well, who did you talk to? And I was like, well, I talked to Mary. He's like, well, the owner is Bill. <laughs> it's like... No, oh, yeah. sorry, bud. Like I'm right here. And so anyway, I call her. I, so we, we get out of there. I was like, you know, I'm not here to mess with you. We're leaving. And, and, uh, so we drive out of the field, get back to the road, get cell phone signal. I call up Mary again. And I was like, Mary, yeah, there was a guy out hunting in the field. And she's like, you know, I was just talking to my son about that. 
All of our land that we have out there is underwater. Oh. 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 Okay. So this field that I just drove across, you guys don't own. She's like, no, I couldn't figure out what you were talking about um, when you said that pasture. So then I talked to my son. So yeah, we, all of our land over there is underwater. Mm-mm. Perfect. I was like, oh, fuck. So wrote a little apology note, left it on the guy's window, and and uh, out we went. So if you're in North Dakota, South Dakota, with all those meandered waters, if you do not have Onyx, Dude. just forget about it. That's so wild. Yeah. I can't tell you how many tickets Onyx has saved me from. Mm-hmm. So many trespassing yeah. tickets. Yeah. Because I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, it's totally his land. Get permission from him. You know, scope it out. And then I get out there, and I'll pull up on X, and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. I am not in the right place. Yeah. I am not supposed to be here right now. You know? Yep. And now I just know how to use on X. So this is well before. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had a couple of farmers come out and talk to me, and they're like, hey, you're actually on my land, not Bill's land. Yeah. And you can hunt, but just know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, I talked to this person. They're like, I get it. It's very confusing, but- yep. You're on my land. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know? So. Man, they're so nice. They let you hunt. I'd be like, get your shit. <laughs> There's a lot who didn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's like, what do, what do you what do? you do? Yeah. Buy on X. Yeah. You buy on X. Right. Buy yeah. the elite membership. And then you also use our discount code so that you can help support us and let them know how many people we bring to them. Yeah. So. There you go. That'd be pretty huge. Yeah. Thank you. So this is one of our favorite ones just because it's such a range of different opinions. Yeah. And the different people we talk to are different ages, so I think it kind of varies based on their age. Well, answer, you're but old. Correct. You know, you're yeah. old. I am wise. You yeah. are correct. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Way to twist that around. Uh, man, how, how do you think hunting culture has changed? And, like, what do you think that's doing to hunting, good and bad? Um, I personally don't think hunting culture has changed all that much. Okay. I think people can just brag about it more now, more easily. I think that people, instead of bragging down at the coffee shop about how much they shot, now put it out on their phones. And so it's it's just a lot more visible and it gets in front of a lot more people than it used to. But I think yeah. hunters, I think hunters are, for the most part, the same now as they were you know, or maybe worse 60 years ago. Like, you know, there, I mean, things got pretty reckless back then when you'd look at all the old pictures and photos and that type of thing. Right. The uh, train cars filled yes. with 400 birds on right. it. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I think it's just, it's just like anything. It's an evolution of people and it's just, it's different tools that are out there now to, to kind of display that, that display hunting. But I think, I think people are people. I think hunters still get pissed off over stupid shit you know, and argue about stupid, stupid shit. I mean, guys got in fights over land 40 years ago, just like they do now. And there was people that handled it better back then, just like there are now. Big dick contest back then. Exactly. Just like now. Yep. And it's just a lot more visible now. And it's a lot easier to get it in front of masses of people now than it used to be. Yeah. So like he, he asked like the general question, but I want to dig into it a little bit more. Do you feel like social media has made it, more so like a dick measuring contest or do you feel like social media has made hunting more i don't know do you feel like social media has transformed the culture of hunting 
in a different way or in a bad way or in a good way or because you run a guide service. So obviously yep. it's easier for you to market yep. your product and your service. I mean, yeah. But do you feel like it's changed the mindset of hunting as well? I think it's probably changed the expectation of it because mm. nobody ever posts the bad days on social media. Right. So like, um, you know, you go on, you know, like when we post pictures on social media, we don't do it. Like a lot of the times that the picture that we post, we don't post it the day that that hunt happened. Um, we, you know, we right. try to space things out. So, but the perception is, um, you know, and it might be that we shot, we had three groups that all went out and all limited on those three days. But, and then the next two days, you know, the hunting was really slow because there was a weather change. And then, but you know, as you're posting, you post the one picture the one day, you post the next picture the next day, you post the next picture the third day. The perception is of the hunter is that we are out there or any, you know, anybody that's, they're all out there smashing every single day. Yeah. Um, and that could be the case or, you know, that could have been from a couple of days when we had a big front came through and it was cloudy, windy, nasty, and we beat the shit out of them. In the last two days, it's been clear and cold and, <coughs> you know, we can't kill anything. So, um, you know, I, I, I think the biggest thing that for hunters that it's, it, it's the battle is the perception of, you know, this is what, you know, this is what we do and this is how we do it. And, and, you know, true or not, like I said, no, you know, nobody ever sees the bad days. Nobody ever just stands there holding up decoys, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh, we didn't kill fucking anything today, you know? Yeah. So, um, um, I think that's probably the, the, the biggest thing. And I think that's what makes it challenging for guides. Um, and it makes it challenging, you know, for, for hunters that are getting into it because, you know, you think that you should be smashing every day, but just the reality is that's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, like you, there's only so many things that you can control on a hunt and most of them is your effort, right? Like pretty much everything else that we do is out of our control. We can't control that, you know, that the clients are terrible fucking shots. We can't control that the roost was busted. We can't control that we were supposed to have a 15 mile an hour Northwest wind. And we actually have a five mile an hour South wind, mm -hmm. you know? So all of those things are just, you know, those are variables that are out of your control. But the perception is when you post those things on social media, that every day is a good day. Yeah. yeah you're just hammering. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I mean, that's obviously very specific to you. Yep. It really affects you yes. a lot. Yep. You know, I mean, we can just post whenever. But at the same time, people are looking, like you said earlier, like I look to see how consistent, you know, you guys shooting birds yep. consistently and, you know, whatever. Yep. Yeah, but I'm actually friends on Snapchat with a lot of his guides. Yeah. And so I'll see. No, I'm not saying you're just season. seeing his Instagram. No. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. In general, that's how people that are booking you might see it. Yeah. Yep. And you know, the other thing is is that perception is is like what's a good hunt? Like going out and shooting taking seven guys out and shooting thirteen Canada geese, like for most people It's a shit hunt. Yeah. Well, if for a guide it's a shit hunt. Yeah. Right. But for a like your Joe Blow hunter that's at home that has a layout blind and, you know, thirteen greenhead gear shells and his buddy's got fourteen <laughs> You know, that could be that could be the hunt of their year. Yeah, yeah. You know, but for the, so it, it it just depends on perception. Like the yeah. guys that go out and do it every day, like yeah, we go out and we shoot. You know, thirteen. It's like we know what could have been. Sure. Like this is what this hunt is could have been, and that's what we're usually focused on. And sometimes you get clients that come out. They shoot. You know, we had we had this group that came out um, to Western Minnesota. They they 
been out with us probably, oh, uh, Ryan's group has been out with us six years in a row now. And they're an awesome group to guide because no matter what happens, it's the best fucking day of their life. Right. So we were up um, north of Ortonville and uh, we had a wheat field that didn't, you know, it was just like when ducks are starting to um, hit the fields and we kind of had an old shitty wheat field that the ducks were using for whatever reason. And we went out there and we had like a pair do it and they killed one. And then we had like a six pack do it and they killed two. And then they had a four pack do it and we killed two. And then we had a pretty big spin where we had like 150 birds like in it. Yeah. And they killed two. So, and then after that was done, then we had one other single came in and they killed that. So all said and done. Like 10. We shot 10. Yeah. And, you know, we're like, we're picking up decoys and the one guy's on his phone is like, man, I'm in Western Minnesota. We're just beating the fucking brakes off of them. It's just fucking insane out here. You got to get out here with these guys. And I'm like, all I'm thinking of is like, it was a 500 duck feed. We had enough ducks where we should have shot 15 to 20, yeah. you know, which would have been close to a Minnesota four-man limit with, yep. you know, six guys. And we're here with 10. And these guys think I'm walking on water. Yeah. Right, you know, just had the hunt of their lives. Just best, you know, beating the fucking brakes off. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Um, you could take another group out, and it's the same thing. It's like, where are we going tomorrow? Right. What's well, you know, that's you got you got a better spot for tomorrow. We ain't coming back here, are we? You know. Mm. So <laughs> that's the cl- moral dude, of that, that story, is the, dude. That is the con. <laughs> that yeah. is the classic question. We're not coming back here tomorrow, are we? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like obviously not. Yeah. You yeah. know. But my my thing, I think my dad did a really good job of instilling this in me, and maybe that's because we had a lot of shitty hunts. Yeah. I don't know. But it's like, all I care about is that I have the opportunity to kill those birds. Like, if mm-hmm. we see nothing, that's a bad day. Yep. You know, like, we got fucked. Yep. Whatever. We're done. Yep. But, like, if we had the opportunity to shoot birds, they're coming there, they didn't like something, mm-hmm. you know, or only... 10 out of the 50 came into the hole and then we only shot three. Yeah. That's still a good day for me. Yeah. You know, because we had the physical opportunity to take those birds. Yeah. And like, honestly, like I've said probably a billion times on this podcast now is if I call in at least one bird that I know that me personally, you know, whether it's by myself or with a group of people, like we called in that bird and he came down feet down, dick out. Mm hmm. And he got pillowcased. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, you know that's a good day for me, just yep. because that's way better than working. Yeah, yeah, and we <laughs> Big get, day of the week. You know, we get groups of guys that come out that will be. You know, it's a lot like guys from the south are a challenging group of hunt. I mean, they can be awesome, but they like especially guys from Louisiana when they come out. They don't give a fuck what it is. If it's a duck, if it's a goose, if it's a raccoon, a squirrel, a rabbit, they just want to kill it. Did you just say Louisiana? Yeah. <laughs> we have many stories of Louisiana, oh, but God. yes, yes, that is our experience as well. Yeah. And I have awesome clients from Louisiana, but man, sometimes when we have, you know, from that specific area, guys come up and their expectations are like, you know, will be because in Louisiana, when those guys are out there hunting on the marsh, like they are shooting ducks 15 minutes before legal. Mm-hmm. So by the time legal comes around, they are either at their limit or close to it 
and they're out of there by sunrise. Now, the ducks that they're shooting aren't the ducks that they want. They're shooting, you know, blackjacks and, yeah, gray ducks and, you know, so, but they're shooting stuff, right? So we'll be sitting there with, you know, in a cornfield and I do my best to set the expectation with the hunters ahead of time. This is what we're looking at. But, um, you know, we'll be sitting there at like, you know, 20 minutes after legal light and they're like, what's up? Oh yeah. You got another spot we can go to? Yeah. You guys just got to chill. Like you just got to give it some time. Right. And, but they don't get it. Like they're usually done and out of there with either their limit or maybe a few more, you know, 10 minutes ago. Right. And we haven't even seen a duck in the air yet. And so then you try to explain the difference between field hunting and water hunting. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we get it. We, we get it. We get it. Where Yeah. We, it's hunting, man. We get it. But where are we going? <laughs> you know? Where else are we gonna go? It's like, yep. Okay. <clears throat> Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. No, I got a, I got one more really good question for you, and then I've got a story that I want you to tell. Okay. Um, so you built a crazy trailer blind. Mm-hmm. What made you build this trailer blind? And tell me how well it's worked for you. Trailer blind is awesome. So I told my guides. So we were, um. So my guides are younger than me. I'm 44. A lot of my guides are in their early 20s. They don't give a, you know, so they don't necessarily care about sitting in layout blinds when it's, you know, you're freezing, your, you know, the ground's frozen, you're freezing your ass off. And, yeah, I can't do it anymore. Right. And I try to explain to them, like, our clients are not like you, right? So, like, our clients, all of our clients are business owners, business professionals. They're used to, you know, sitting in a suit and tie. Dude, in they're an taking office. out clients. They right. are... They are paying for a luxury hunt yep. and you're trying to give them something luxurious. Yep. yep. And so sometimes, you know, just, I, I try to let my guides, you know, if that's where their comfort level, I, I want them to be confident in what they're doing, right? I want them to have the tools that they need to be confident to run that hunt. And if they're confident in layout blinds, which most of them are, I, I try not to push that too much, but really what it came down to is we were, you know, we started hunting out of panel blinds. And I was just like, you know what? I I don't want to fucking do this, these panel blinds every day. Like I want something that I can pull into the field, pull it out there, drop it down and just hunt. And the client's going to have heat and we can be comfortable and we can be sitting. And cause I don't want to, you know, like I don't mind sitting in a layout blind when it's September and it's early, but when it's November, December and it's cold, I have no interest in, being, yeah. being in a layout. So, um, ours is, we have two of them. Um, you have two now. Yeah. Yeah. We've had two for probably four years. Damn. Yep. Yep. So we built the one and then we hunted out of it for two years and then we built the second one. So, um, but I will pull that thing. I will hunt that in any situation. I don't care. I'll pull it out in the middle of the field. I'll drop it down. What I've learned, as long as that top trough is covered up and we kind of have a new, we have a system that we've worked with on that. The guides wanted lids. I hate lids. Clients hate lids. Nobody wants to push that lid open right. to shoot. So we kind of have a new system now to help cover that trough up. And as long as that trough is covered up, it you're going to kill. What What is your new system for that? Overhead? So we took... Um, like um, uh, uh, fencing sheets, and I don't know what it is. Like pig, it's not pig wire, but it's like a little bit uh, goat fencing, kind of. Yeah. So yeah. and it's got so it's it's firm and it'll hold its shape. They're like eight foot sections, and they're about um, 
uh, two feet wide. And then we run shock cord, which is basically like bungee without hooks on the end. So it's yeah. just a big long spool of bungee. So we run that and then we stuff that. And then we have hooks that go right up on top of it. So that, you know, that grass then makes a cantilever right over the top of the trough front and back. And then when we go down the road, cause the big challenge with the trailer blind is, is when you drive down the road, that's when you're going to lose your stuff and your shit. And it, you totally. Know, so that, that's the biggest challenge with it. So we take those, those, um, those two foot set, those two by eight sections off and put them down in the trailer blind. We stack them on top of each other. So when they go down the road, they don't get beat up and they don't get broken and you don't have to constantly rebrush. Correct. It. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's uh, it's pretty legit. Um, and you know, it's just like anything. Uh, are, has there been times that birds have flared off the trailer blind for sure? Has there been times that birds have flared off an A-frame for sure? Has there been times that birds have flared, flared off of layouts? Yeah, for sure. It all decoys full bodies, silhouettes. Like there's going to be days where, yeah, they just figure it out. Like they know that something's not quite right, but most um, of the days yeah. when you shoot them and you're warm and you're in the trailer blind, it's all good. Life is good. Right. And it's much more social. Hunt. It's like a pit hunt. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So here's my question with the trailer blind and Joe Heinz is the first one to teach me this where yep. you go out in the middle of a field and you grass your blinds mm -hmm. instead of corning it, soybean, yep. you know, which is impossible to right. soybean a yep. a blind, but you make yourself look like a ditch line, a weed yep. line, anything like that. And your trailer blind is how long? 20? 26 feet. So do you feel like that makes a difference with like the width of it versus a panel blind? Like if you put two panel blinds together, mm -hmm. you still have a little bit of breakup in the middle. Mm -hmm. Whereas a trailer blind, it's one solid piece. And are you, are you creating, like what are you telling yourself to justify to the birds? Like are they thinking that it's a a weed line, a little tree line in the middle of the field or like what? I think as long as you can conceal the threat completely, I think you're fine. And the threat being human People. silhouettes. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So as long as, you know, and um, there's definitely a difference. So like throughout the season, if, if, you know, if there's a lot of rain or you get a bunch of snow on it and then you just all the grass that's on there just kind of gets matted down. You do have to go through there. It's good to have some fluffers in the crew, right? Mm -hmm. Go back through and, and fluff everything up. Um, we got Sounds a couple like a porn of, shoot. Got but... a really good fluffers right now. But <laughs> anyway. Um, big time. Yeah, big time. So <laughs> there are times where that does, you do have to do that. But if you have a good grass cover on there and that, that top is covered up, you're going to kill shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guys are, you know, we just, the guys are, uh, down in Kansas guiding snow goose hunts right now. And that's, that's all they're hunting out of is, is just our trailer blinds. Well, it's so much easier too, because like, that's my one dreaded thing, but it's like the most important thing, right? Yeah. Pretty much anyone can throw a, a decoy in the ground, but not everyone knows how to grass a blind properly. Yep. So if you're already taking that out of the equation and it's mm -hmm. just like a 10 minute thing of putting shit on top of it, yep. you are saving yourself and the clients so much time yep. by being like, we don't have to worry about the hide. Mm-hmm. This one guide will fluff the top. Yep. Whatever. And if you guys want to help set out decoys, cool. Yep. If not, hang out in the trailer blind. We'll have breakfast made for you. Yep. Do you, you cook know. in it? Do not. Okay. Do not. Is no. fire hazard or Does, what? I mean. Uh, it's just one more thing. Yeah, totally. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, we, 100%. there's so many things that we, ha you know, we're usually running three groups of clients at a time and, you know, the worst, uh, like, 
I go to bed every night, and the last thing I think about is, like, please, God, don't let my phone ring at 5 o'clock in the morning because if my phone rings at 5, 5.30 in the morning, it is not good news. Like, yeah. nobody's calling just to say, you know, hey, boss, you know, <laughs> thanks for this, you know, awesome opportunity that we have. It's, you wouldn't fucking believe what happened just now. Like, I can't believe, I can't even believe that we're fucking dealing with this. And then you start going into problem-solving mode. Right. Um, so... You know how many? How often does that happen? Like, how often does your phone ring at five a.m. Then, um, a, a pretty fair amount. There's all there's. Cha- I mean, the, you know, we just last week the guys were down guiding in Kansas and they set up in the. You know, so we're it's our first day of guiding snows down there. They get out, and you know it's you know they're setting decoys at four thirty in the morning. There's nobody else on the country gravel roads at four thirty in the morning. All of a sudden, there's these cars doing laps you know, around the field. So they get done setting and Mike drives out and all of a sudden the cherries come on. Oh, and he's like, what in the fuck is going on here? And it just, you know, like the guy, the, the old farmer that lived a half mile away, some reason thought that they drove through like his yard and then across his property and his pasture to get out to this cornfield. And he's like, you know, Mike, Knew, Mike knew the cop. He's like, well, why would I do that? The field approach is right there. Like, you guys just right. drove in on the field approach that we drove on, and you can see our tracks. Why would we do that? Right. You know, but so that's just one of those, you know, and it 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 sets a tone for the guides. Like, you know, they don't want to deal with that stuff, and and it's, you know, it's, it's a problem that they had to deal with that wasn't necessary because yeah. clearly that wasn't the truth, and we right. certainly didn't do that. Um, but... You know, shit happens. It, it just shit happens. It you know, flat tires and um, you know, trailers yeah. trailers coming off because the guys are super tired and they forgot to pin it, or you know, just forgetting the MP3s for the snow goose collars, or you know, there's just there's all kinds of shit that just happens, and that's you know, it's just like it's no different than any business, right? Like any you know, you get out to the job site, you don't have this, and you know, drives uh, you crazy, right? Hey, boss, Dude. don't have any nails. Well, and Cal's in construction too, but he builds custom homes. Okay. And so it's like my job in life right now is I'm a human fire extinguisher. Yeah. Oh, this is a problem? Okay, I'll just solve it for you. Yeah. Oh, this is a problem? Oh, yeah. you like you need to have a B and C to every plan. Yep. Because Murphy's Law in construction, Yep. everything that can it go will. wrong does go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in our guides, I would say, you know, for, sometimes that call happens at 5 o'clock in the morning just for them to vent, and I just need to listen to them. Right. Um, but most of our guides are pretty good problem solvers because they've been around a lot, and they know, like, there's very few situations that we've ever been in where we just can't run a hunt. Like, something happened, and we just cannot run a hunt that morning. That that just... that never happens or very, and I wouldn't say never, but it very rarely happens. But right. some, sometimes they already know the solution. They just want to kind of talk to me and just get it off their chest a little bit totally. before they, you know, before they move on or, um, you know, sometimes they're pissed off at another guide. Um, they can't believe that, you know, this guide was this stupid this time, you know, it's just all the stuff that happens when you're just working with people day after day after day. Right. Yeah. You know. And then, uh, I know you had a great story you wanted to hear. Yeah. So, um, I'm doing Graham's, uh, construction on his home right yeah. now. And then, uh, Lock Parle also got hit or that whole area of Western Minnesota got smoked, mm-hmm. but he was good. And so Rob still lives out there. 
and I go, Graham, I'm not going to be able to go out there and look at it. I'm going to send my dad. You know, he's an hour from there because I had so many hail claims in the metro. Right. I, I could not make a three-hour drive out there to look at one roof and come yeah. back. And Graham sends me a picture <laughs> of the ring cameras <laughs> from out there. And Rob couldn't get on the roof because he said, he's like, does he have a ladder out there? And I don't think I responded to him in time. Yeah. And so he just already ran out there. And so what Rob did is he took one of the benches on the deck. Patio furniture. Patio furniture and climbed up onto the roof with the patio furniture. And he sent me a screenshot of Rob <laughs> doing this. And I'm just like, if that isn't the most Rob Vassallo shit <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Because he knows the property, obviously. He's like, oh, yeah. Fucking. yeah. And just like... <laughs> It's like a 10 foot long piece of custom is like a, a patio bench that we had made by this guy off of Facebook. And he just took the cushions off and propped it up against the side of the lodge. And he just skinned right on. Holy up shit. And was on Dude, the roof. Rob's 66 and he's doing that. Shit. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. Just unbelievable. Yeah. So oh my awesome, God. Bro. But now, uh, Graham's going out of town. We're about to finish his project roof or we already did the roof. We're going to do gutters, fascia, siding, soffit, everything. Everything. Joe, we just keep getting checks. Joe calls. I love it. Like, yeah, we got more money coming. So it's great. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. no, it's just so funny when Dude. I got that text from you because whenever I get a text from a client, I'm just like, Ugh. yeah, you know, oh god, what's yeah. wrong? And I get a picture of my dad. <laughs> so classic. No excuses, bud. Oh my god. No damn excuses. Well, it's like I could totally see a customer just being like he messed up my furniture and this and that. And I oh, just yeah. get a text yeah. from Graham saying like, look at your dad just killing it. I'm like, oh my <laughs> I want to see before. Is it, you still have it? Uh, I could probably find it. Okay. I could find yeah, it in yeah. our text. Yeah. Yeah. You can find it. Yeah. That right. is just hilarious. Should we camel on? Yeah. Let's camel on. But Graham, thank you. There. Thank yeah. you so much for coming. Yeah, I had a guys. blast. Yeah. It was fun. It was a good time. Yeah, absolutely. So um, people can find you on Instagram at Maxed Out Guides. Yep. Maxed Out Guides. Two X's. Maxedoutguides.com. Two X's. Yep. Yep. You pretty much search anything for goose and duck hunting on Google and you'll find us if you can't find us there. Nice. You got the Google ads thing down? Yes. We might have to, we might have to talk. Yeah. I got a guy. All right. Well, yeah. well, and the craziest thing, I don't know if you knew this, but he has permission on a golf course in the Metro and he kills the shit out of geese there. I've heard some yeah. rumors. Yeah. Are, do you have like that? Do you have like the same people coming every year for that hunt? Because um, I would kill to come and hunt on that golf course. We actually haven't had it the last. There's not enough geese on the course anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, we kind of did, did our you job. Did your job. We did yeah. our job, unfortunately, and uh, <laughs> so there's not as many geese as there used to be. But I'm kind of waiting for that to build back up because that that was, if there was ever video game hunting, that was it. Totally awesome. I oh, just yeah. did three roofs on that golf course this year, and I'm like, this is the same fucking golf course. Yep. Unreal. And so I kind of wanted to go and ask for permission. I was like, I'm not going to do that to Graham. Yeah. So well, that's awesome. I mean, we'll pay. Call us. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. Hey, make sure you guys check us out and everything else. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Joey, Um, one more thing really quick. One more thing? 